Hello, welcome to the podcast of ideas. I'm Rob Lyons. Uh, I'm, enjo- I'm joined by my colleagues Claire Fox and David Bowden to talk about recent events and one event absolutely dominates uh, news in the UK today which is the murder yesterday of the Labour MP Joe Cox um, and the effect that that has on the referendum campaign. Um, so first thoughts, Claire. Well, the initial thoughts are, like everyone else, that this is a horrible, brutal, tragic murder of a young MP who I'm no great fan of the Labour Party, God knows, but I had already noted that she was one of the intake of new MPs who'd spoken out in relation to Syrian refugees and had certainly uh, crossed my radar. It doesn't matter whether she had or she hadn't. I'm just saying what a tragic, horrible situation, both personally for her, but also for politics more generally. I now want to pause because I think that in a way one of the things to maybe talk about is the fact that we could do with pausing about this because there's been in less than 24 hours of this terrible event occurring a kind of rush in of all sorts of uh, sides of the argument trying to politicise the issue. I'm not suggesting that there's no politics involved in it at all. She was a supporter of uh, immigration, particularly refugee policy And it looks as though the individual that uh, brutally stabbed and shot her uh, certainly had some sympathies with the far right, you know, is some kind of a lone wolf fascist and so on. But we just don't know what happened. And he was definitely uh, and diagnosably mentally ill too. And I just find it so horrible and depressing and distasteful that so many people are trying to own this for political reasons. Um, and, you know, some of the, the, the more smear tactic things that are going on in terms of suggesting that this was created by the referendum campaign and particularly by those people who are calling for Brexit and a kind of an association with this uh, terrible action because of forces unleashed by asking people whether they want to stay in the EU or not or the fact that recently in relation to this campaign on the EU, there's been a debate about immigration, which even as somebody who's completely for immigration and opening our borders, I think it's legitimate that British people are allowed to have a debate on immigration without there then being an inference that that debate on immigration will suddenly lead to unleashing racist murders around every corner. So I just feel very nervous and hesitant at the way that people are leaping on this. I think it's perfectly fine for the Leave and Remain campaigns to have paused their uh, uh, politicking and electioneering for a few days. I don't know that I think saying that there should be none before the referendum is quite appropriate or, you know, not a bit over the top, but that's that's one thing. But it's the, it's the, the tone of the debate in relation to it by individuals quick to seize upon a terrible thing to say, yeah, nah, nah, told you so. And also, just final thought, um, is the inference is, is that, you know, what's being unleashed is like these savage passions of the mob. You know, this isn't now seen as one man, one racist. Uh, I mean, he, he, undoubtedly, there are more than one racist in the country. But it is not the vast majority of people who are worried about immigration are not the mob, they're not a passion-filled, fueled, uh, hating uh, murderers. I think that there's a possibility here of depicting the British working class in ways that are 
beyond despicable by those opportunists who were rushing uh, to link this to the Brexit campaign. Yeah, it's really striking that it, of course, happens um, you know in the same week of a you know a horrible attack in Orlando, um, you know with it with a, you know with you know a large killing of um, gay people and people attending a, a gay club in a you know a fairly liberal um, part of the world. And it was interesting that you know originally you know when the you know when the attack is done by an individual acting in the name of a terrorist group. Um, there was already a kind of a little bit of a kind of kickback to say, well, let's not jump to conclusions about this being ISIS. It might might just be a one uh, individual acting their own. In, you know, in the US, mass shootings happen quite a lot, so we don't necessarily um, attribute those to uh, political groups. We can't make assumptions. That was the kind of really you know the, the correct and right thing to be to be saying actually in the immediate aftermath. You can't sit there and ascribe political meanings to these acts until you have a clear idea of. What that is, and of course, you know, as the stories have emerged from that terrible event, you know, it actually becomes a little bit more complicated than you first realise. He doesn't seem to have much connection to ISIS. He was a regular at the gay club he was attending. There is a complex story there, and we don't really know about his levels of criminal responsibility, uh, what his real actions were, whether you can say whether he was disturbed or not. What's a bit frightening here is that those, a lot of those same people were suddenly leaping on this to politicise it, to say that we can't just say this is just the actions of an individual who may be disturbed, that this has to be a reflection of the broader political climate of the day. And you think there's not much evidence really to, to go on to justify that. There are allegations that, you know, Britain first, a very fringe, um, uh, you know, racist group, uh, um, you know, he might have been acting in the name of that. We actually don't know that for certain yet. Uh, and yet people have decided to build a narrative around it. I think the most sensible thing you would just say is to understand this as a crime from an individual, as actually the events in Orlando were. Yes, we can understand a broader kind of context about what we, you know, we may think about the um, kind of uh, the nature of discussions around, um, uh, you know, immigration or the general kind of political sentiment in this country. Uh, in just the same way that we can have discussions in Orlando about the question, you know, the role of you know, Islamic terrorism and lone wolf attacks and, you know, the, you know, the treatment of the gay community in the US and how that relates to the broader political climate. But you also have to recognise there's actually separate questions from the acts under discussion. Uh, well, I, I mean, um, it's interesting in relation to the Orlando issue because I actually had a bit of a domestic um, uh, in relation to this where I was, I was uh, quicker to say that this seemed to be uh, a lone wolf but inspired by ISIS um, largely because he phoned the police and said I'm inspired by ISIS and I'd thought that it fitted into a kind of um, pattern of events and, and in fact my 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 other half um, argued that no we had to refrain from doing that and that this could just be a mentally ill you know guy um, and so on and so forth regardless of, regardless of that by the way if you now look at the kind of discussion in relation to Orlando is also pretty grim but insightful about today's um, uh, political landscape because there has actually been also an attempt to own that particular event so there's been almost a kind of competition going on so this started with um, Owen Jones the sort of uh, well-known left-wing activist and writer um, who went on the Sky newspaper review and then subsequently stormed off having had a run-in with the presenter and Julia Hartley Brewer because he said that it was a homophobic 
Act, a homophobic act of terrorism and murder, hate crime. Um, and But the most important thing was, that, which is a perfectly reasonable view for him to have, that's fine, um, that they were reflecting on what was in the newspapers and it was almost as though he was suggesting that he knew best because he was part of the LGBT community what had happened because it was an attack on uh, LGBT. But obviously, Owen Jones is a British journalist. He knew no more than anyone else. He didn't feel it any more than anyone else. I mean, I don't. I think it's it's a really horrible situation and terrible state of affairs where people imply that those people who aren't part of the LGBT community will somehow not be moved by brutal murder of 49 people in a nightclub in Orlando. I mean, part of being human is an understanding of that. Just like I'm, you know, bitterly and viciously, uh, you know, hostile to the murder of, uh, um, you know, Kurdish people in Turkey. Right? I don't have to kind of go, well, I'm not Kurdish. Maybe I shouldn't feel anything. I mean, this is a horribly anti-human view. Um, but then the irony of that has been that and, and by the way Julia Hartley Brill was then kind of and the presenter were were almost like you know you're homophobic because you won't recognize this but then the, the then the next minute we get the Latinx community complaining and Black Lives Matter in America complaining that this issue has been hijacked by the LGBT community or the you know whites in the LGBT and you suddenly get this horrible competition and people saying no it's ours it's ours it's ours oh how grim is politics when that is the way that we start to discuss hugely important trends and events? I don't know what motivated the Orlando killer. It's certainly not straightforward. It's certainly not now, I concede, straightforward Islamicist uh, 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 terrorist act as it was at the Bataclan in Paris. But it's also uh, a number of different things. But we should at least be able to talk about that, be honest that we don't always know and not accuse each other of not being sensitive enough to different uh, interest communities um, when we'll do, while we're trying to untangle what really happened. Yeah, I, well, it's also really important to to speak kind of fairly openly about this, and that's kind of the real issue, because, you know, the world is constantly changing, and there are a lot of, you know, things that are happening today which are slightly different from in the past. And I thought, you know, what was important about the Orlando attack, for instance, was that it was... Um, taken up as an attack on Western society, an attack on you know, a gay bar, a gay community, is understood as an attack on Western values, which are you know, all of us in a way, that we are you know, a tolerant society of which gay rights is kind of a very important part of. Now, a lot of people decided to interpret that as an attempt to, to, white, to downplay the homophobic side, to whitewash and to brush it under the, the carpet. And that, to me, didn't really seem to tally with what was going on. It seemed to me that there was actually a genuine attempt to, 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 to say that you know, the gay community is, is not other from the rest of society, but to own it. You know, when you look back to previous attacks, such as you know, perhaps most famously the Admiral Duncan bombing, you can sit there and say, well, this may have been the act of an individual, but it was a clear act of terrorism. It was clearly intended to intimidate, um, harass, and to target the gay community. I don't think that, you know, whatever's got happened in Orlando, it's a different events it's a different context it's happening in because there is a context of isis of people who go around attacking all aspects of western liberalism and values and have attacked nightclubs in paris and they've attacked a vast number of people out there so trying to pick out the homophobic element to it i just think doesn't tell you very much you know it's worth noting it's absolutely worth reflecting on that tendency and in the same way of what's happened around joe cox where at the moment people are trying to rush to claim this as 
kind of terrorism in a sort of certain way, as if using that term would tell you anything about this circumstance. I mean, even at the very most, and you know, again, we don't know very much about it. You might say that it was an assassination. That's actually you know slightly different from terrorism per se. And it really trying to afford afford a kind of equal opportunities approach to these questions actually ends up obscuring much more than it offers you a kind of clarity and you're really you have to try and fight for as much in these situations as possible is as much clarity in the debate as you can do to not try to draw massive parallels and to look at trends but to try to understand what has happened now which might require a little bit of time but you can't rush to conclusions it's bad when that's done um to justify clampdowns on civil liberties in the name of you know what you know when al-qaeda was discussed it was always discussed as this highly organized political unit when in reality it was a bunch of lone wolves doing things and i think we have to fight even harder to actually learn from some of those lessons and demand it today not go along with it because it it makes us feel slightly superior to to show up the opposition returning to the referendum campaign um what does this mean for uh, the the past you know the coming week um, because you know, we have this momentous decision that we're going to be making uh, next Thursday. Does this mean that campaigning should be suspended? There's even been discussion of whether the vote itself should be postponed. So, so where do we go from here? Well, the Labour Party have just announced that they are suspending all activity. Um, I think that's just officially been announced. I've just seen the notice. Um, every, everybody can make their own decisions. I, I actually don't think it's, if I dare say it, and I suppose that, you know, there will be people who say I shouldn't say it, but, you know, Joe Cox was a political MP who spoke her mind and went against the grain and was prepared to. And I don't know that honouring somebody who was political by saying we should suspend politics for a week is necessarily the answer. I mean, you can do it, but I don't know that I'd say it's, you know, in order to honour Joe Cox, we suspend politics is necessarily what I do. But, you know, the the Labour Party uh, of which she was a member might decide that it's just not appropriate. It doesn't feel like going out on the the stump in relation to that. I myself uh, don't feel as though we should say oh, everything should carry on you know what's the problem but I do think that it would be appropriate to consider that in the last few days of the referendum it's important to give people the opportunity to hear the, as many arguments as possible in relation to the decision about whether we leave the EU or not the reason why this decision was ever put to the British people and the conclusion as it's been on, on, on you know, the campaign has been going on, is people have realised that this is a very important debate, very important vote. As you say, Rob, a kind of once-in-the-lifetime historic decision, whichever way it goes. And you wouldn't want to be in a situation whereby that vote happens and that somehow that those people who were yet undecided or not sure what to do are deprived of, as it were, the kind of atmosphere of uh, de- democratic, open and free debate because of this one horrible thing that's happened. It would also seem to me that that somehow would, you know, make it, um, make that, you know, the murderer achieved something, you know, to have suspended British politics for a week because this one person did something would seem to have given a victory to that. Whereas I think that the way that we can show our respect for that um, political tradition in which an MP stands, in any MP stands, is to say we trust the British people now 
to respectfully, fair enough, but nonetheless robustly respond to an act of anti-democratic violence, if it was that, and we don't know that it wasn't just a person being mentally ill, but if it was that, by showing the best of democracy, which is that we, all of us, the millions and millions of people in this country, can have a debate, a proper, angry sometimes, argument about important principles without killing each other. Yeah, and yeah, three... Three cheers to that, actually. And it's important that actually we don't kind of let the narrative get a bit of hand about this campaign, because actually my experience and the experience of many people that I've spoken to about this campaign is actually there has been, you're actually kind of striking the level of engagement and seriousness um, and kind of just civilised exchanges that have taken place on, you know, actually quite controversial views. And, you know, there are lots of people that I know who disagree with me, but who have, you know, been having that, I've been having some of the most open discussions about the EU over the past couple of months because people feel that they want to be be informed and to have a to have a vote on the topic. Yes, there have been lots of elements which have been uh, dispo- disappointing from that point of view. You know, the debate around immigration has become very narrow uh, um, and it's not the you know the the kind of more kind of liberal immigration case that I would like to make alongside it. Um, but that actually, on the whole, people take this very, very seriously. So I think there's also a real danger of sitting there and sort of trying to... When people are talking about the kind of toxic atmosphere and how the, this fits into a sort of pattern, actually, I'm not convinced that that's the whole story. Actually, there seems to have been a really kind of strong semblance of democracy on either side of the on either side of the case actually you know on both sides and people both involved in the official campaigns and beyond actually uh, you know sort of seem to be taking you know engaging with this topic in a real way so i think that there's a really irresponsible um and just untrue desire from some people to try and paint you know us us as a kind of country a kind of war on the brink of civil war and you just think that's really not the case people were trying to you know, work out where they stand on a fundamentally important issues of the UK's membership of the European Union, which has profound, you know, implications around trade, our economy, and also who governs the kind of country. And I don't think we should try to diminish um, the importance of that debate um, as it goes on over the next week. Actually, it's interesting because before this terrible thing occurred uh, with Joe Cox, actually, I just wrote an article for the Municipal Journal and also was involved in a debate on the EU yesterday uh, before we knew about the attack, before it happened, presumably, um, where where there was a... And the reason I wrote the article for the Municipal Journal was because I'd noticed that there was an attempt to say that... Um, people being involved in a passionate exchange of views and really believing what they felt and being kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of um, uh, where they really mean what they say in relation to this event was a problem. That quite a number of people actually I've encountered with the Remain camp say, why are all these people getting het up? And why don't they just kind of listen to the experts and the economists and the facts and kind of just agree with us? Right. And it's a kind of technocratic, anodyne version of politics. And I I think it's it, it, even before this, there was an attempt to say that those people who really cared and were passionate were full of hate. And it was kind of, no, I don't think they're full of hate. I think, you know, it's kind of somehow the way um, trolls and when people talk about hate speech, they often just mean people who disagree with you. You know, it's like sort of, no, sorry, it, you can't just kind of like wheel out the kind of, uh, uh, statistics guys and the economists and resolve the the, the, the issue without without any um, uh, sort of attempt at uh, uh, principle and uh, taking a side and and clear analysis can also mean that you're inspired that's 
passion and believing in things and having a vision of the future and believing that you should fight for it have been what has driven every progressive move in history. And it's a very positive thing. So when people try and demonise that in and of itself as being somehow out of control, what they're arguing for is the end of politics and the end of democracy. Because what they're basically saying is you should roll over and agree with the people who wander in with the best stats and also you're not allowed to you know you've all got to be very calm and sit there and kind of and i just don't think that's that's a a, a, a kind of gutless uh, banal uh, empty uh, hologram of, of political exchange which we've got so used to in a technocratic age but it's not for me and it wouldn't inspire any new generation to ever put uh, themselves on the line for something important i very much agree with those sentiments there in the uh, the discussions that I've had in the public debates that the Institute of Ideas and others have organised around the referendum campaign have been very impressed by the fact that they've been passionate but civilised, very, very serious. People have lots and lots of questions. They're really engaged with this discussion and it's been a far better discussion in those meetings than it has been in terms of the official campaigns. And I think it would be a real shame if that discussion were to come to a halt um, a few days before this really, really big decision that we have to make. Um, so I hope that that continues and I hope that everybody feels that they've had the maximum possible opportunity to understand the issues before they go to the polls. And on that note, uh, we have to finish here, but uh, thank you very much, Claire and Dave. If you uh, would be like to uh, hear more of our podcasts or subscribe to them, please visit instituteofideas.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.